two years, we are flooded with promises. You know this, this is how it works in America. Every two years, we hear a barrage of promises. Because every two years, you have someone running for public office, and they are going to promise you the moon. That's what they're going to do. And when they speak to you, they're going to set up their speech to start small and move big. They'll start with small promises, and they'll work you up to where you think you'll be given the universe by the end. And you'll hurrah and cheer. That's where they'll want to move you, right there. But that's how it works. I mean, that's every two years, that's kind of the journey we go through. We get hit with promises over and over again. They start small and they go big, and that's just the rhetorical style that we walk through as Americans every two years. That's just kind of what we do. Now, I do understand we have some city council members up for re-election this year. I don't know if I believe their big promises. But, but I'm just talking about those national elections. All right. Okay. But I feel like that's the kind of thing I experience as I walk through this sermon in Acts chapter 3. Now, I'm not saying the Apostle Peter is a politician. I would never do that. But the same rhetorical moves I'm experiencing with the, the sermon in Acts 3 that I feel when I listen to a presidential candidate tell me all the things they'll do when they're elected. You see, Acts chapter 3 starts with a miracle. It starts with a lame man that can't walk having his legs restored. And Peter says that that's the signal that something new is happening. Salvation has come, and it's coming by way of this Jesus. And that shouldn't surprise you because this Jesus was dead, and his dead body was restored to life. So the one whose life was restored to the one who was restoring the legs to the man who couldn't walk. And then, so if that wasn't enough, going from a lame man walking to a dead body breathing, just, there's, there's, there, it seems like it feels like there's one more thing. There's going to be a next level restoration. That's exactly where Peter goes. We start with a miracle. We move to resurrection. But there's this other thing hanging out here. This other big promise that's going to get, get, going to get talked about as he wraps up the last half of his sermon. And so I have that same feel of listening to a politician start small and move big. Because that's what I find in Acts 3. We're, we're starting small with lame legs being restored, moving to a body coming back to life. But there's this other thing, this next level restoration. And that's all in the second half of this sermon in Acts chapter 3. And it's going to have a lot to it's going to have a lot to say about how we live our life here in 2021. So let's let's dig in. We're gonna we're gonna actually till this passage twice. So we'll actually do a first pass this morning. We're gonna glean a, a big insight that will have application for us right now. Then next week we're gonna come back over the same passage. And we're going to grab that other big rock sitting in, that, in this passage. And it's going to have a lot to say to us in our day. And so two, two weeks, two-parter. So this is part one of the second half of Peter's second sermon. Here it is. We pick up chapter, chapter 3, verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance. But this is how God fulfilled 
what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes when God, for God, to restore everything. As he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. And you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, your peoples, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, there's a lot there. That's why we, we're going to do a two-parter. But the crescendo of the sermon, the moment where Peter reaches the height of, his, of, his, of the promises, is in verse 21. Verse 21, just want to remind you, right there, 20, verse 21, heaven must receive him until time comes for God to restore everything. Two things going on in verse 21, that heaven, that is, that, that the throne room of God, Jesus would be exalted. This is a hyperlink back to Psalm 110.1, a passage that Peter actually quotes in Acts 2, that, that Jesus would be exalted. He would sit at the right hand of God. So that's got to happen. So Jesus has to ascend to the heavens, sit next to the Father, and await until his enemies are a footstool under his feet. So heaven receives him. And then he stays in heaven reigning until he returns. And God then restores all things. You can see the move here. We've just moved, we've just moved from lame legs being restored to a dead body coming back to life to the hope that all things are restored. You don't get any bigger than that promise right there. That all things are made right. That's the crescendo. That's the moment we all long for. That's the thing we hold out hope for. The restoration of all things. And so there's just this move, this progression. And verse 21 sits at the climax of Peter's rhetorical moves in the sermon. And so just watch the, pro the progression. Because if we don't get this, it will be hard for me to take another step in the sermon. Here it is. Let's summarize it this way. So we start with a lame man's legs being restored to health. And then this was done by the power of, man, of a man whose dead body was restored to life. And that man will one day restore all things. You see the move. We start small and we end as big as we can go. And so when Jesus came back to life, he started the new creation. The Jews throughout history had been thinking a day was coming, they, what they called the day of the Lord would, would emerge and God would bring judgment on their enemies and vindication to His people and all would be made new. Never did they expect that God would launch that day of the Lord through one person. It would all start with Jesus. Jesus would launch, He would start, it would be the beginning of a new thing in the world. 
And that new thing would point to the final day when all is made new. See, when his body was restored back to life, it was a guarantee that one day all things will be made new. Anyone connected with this restored person will be made new one day. It was a guarantee. Take that to the bank. It's coming. So it was a pointer. So when that man's legs are healed, it was a foretaste of what anyone connected to Jesus will experience in the new heavens and the new earth. Just a foretaste. And so that's why these new legs, these restored legs from the lame man could be a pointer to not only the resurrection, but to what the resurrection pointed to, which was the final resurrection of all things, the restoration of everything. That's where this thing's moving. And that was always sitting in the Old Testament. It was always there to be hoped for. And Peter will pick a foundational promise. He's going to pick that promise that God made to Abraham. That when God promised to Abraham that one day through his offspring, everyone on earth will be blessed through that person, he was making a promise to the restoration of everything. And so what Peter does is he pulls that verse into his sermon in Acts 3 as the foundation for the hope that everything's going to be made right for anyone connected to this prophet who would come. This one raised from the dead. This Jesus. So that promise in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis 15, that promise that God would bring blessing to the world through a child of Abraham, that promise is going to be, is going to be woven into the Old Testament over and over and over again. That promise is like a melody. Let me say it this way. Take a look. What I'm saying is that the promise to bless the world through Abraham is like a melody. And it gets picked up and replayed over and over again in the Old Testament. And so it's like a, it's like a, symph I mean, it's like a, a symphony where you hear the melody in the front. And then what happens is the trumpets pick it up in the middle. And then the violas and the violins. And then you have, you have the cellos. Near the end, all of them riffing on the melody, all of them coming back, going far and back, all of them playing a, a variation, but always staying in the melody. That's what's happening. When God makes the promise to bless all people, He launches into the world a melody that one day prophets in the future will pick up and they'll just play a variation, but all of them playing the same melody. So what I like to do sometimes is go into the prophets and I like to listen for the melody. I like to go and see if I can hear the same notes being played that were being played way back in Genesis 12. And what you find is they're there and they sound really good. They're playing variations you didn't hear in Genesis 12, but it's the same melody. So let's just pick up a few of them. Now I want you to listen in for the melody. Here it is. Hosea, chapter 2, verse 18 through 19. Hosea here playing that same song. In that day, this is God speaking through Hosea, in that day, well, I'll make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, the creatures that move along the ground, will bow and sword and battle. I'm going to abolish all of them from the land. So that all will lie down in safety. 
And I will return to you, return you to me forever. And I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. Now I could get I could get on board with that. Like that's the kind of world I want to live in. That's 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 a country I could I could I could go live forever. Right there. Where there's no more conflict, where we're wrapped with compassion and there's justice. Well, that sounds a lot like all peoples on earth being blessed. You hear the melody? Jeremiah chapter 31. Here's how that melody sounds in Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. They will come and they will shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. The grain and the new wine and the olive oil. Well, the young of the flocks and the herds, they will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness and I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Good. Isn't that the kind of place you want to go live? Where there's dancing and drinking and bounty? No more conflict. We all bask in joy and happiness. Do you hear the melody? That's the kind of place where all peoples are blessed. Then Isaiah. Listen to how it sounds in Isaiah. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. Well, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. I will take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard no more. Is there one more on this one? Is there one more? There may not be. I may have just taken the excerpt. Sorry, that whole chapter's rich, but I felt like it may be too much to read all of Isaiah 65. But Isaiah 65, 17 through 19. That's the kind of place I want to go live. I want to be part of a place that is full of joy. A place where there is delight, where there's no more weeping and crying. Do you hear the melody? That's the place where all peoples are blessed. All of that, all of that is, is sitting in Acts chapter 3. When Peter says there will be a restoration of all things, it's all tied to the promise God gave to Abraham that through his offspring, all peoples on earth would be blessed. All that's sitting, echoing down through the ages. The melody's been playing. And Peter, all he's doing is picking up the melody like the prophets did. And he just played a, a revision. It's the same promise. All of it, though, comes through Jesus. You see, when the... These early Christians, they look back and they hear the music playing in the Old Testament. They wonder who, who, who will ever be able to who's, going to, who's going to finally bring all of this to fulfillment? Well, their answer, because of the resurrection, is it's Jesus. And this is exactly why one day when Peter's sitting writing a letter to the Corinthian church, he says it about as clearly as that. I think Paul had said it this way many, many times, but he just happened to write it in a letter inspired in a way that is so concise, I don't think we can miss it. Here's what he writes, 2 Corinthians 1.20. That's the first part of that verse. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes 
in Christ. All all the music being played in the Old Testament, all the promises that a day is coming when all peoples on earth will be blessed, all of it's going to come true in Jesus. It's going to be a resounding yes in Christ. When Jesus came back from the dead, He started the fulfillment of all the promises. Here in one person was the new creation. And it was a guarantee that if you're connected to Him, you get to be part of the new creation too. Now that doesn't mean when you're baptized that immediately your body is made whole and you will never experience sickness again. If that was the case, this baptistry would be full all the time. That's not how this works. This body eventually will waste away, but with the promise that we receive the new body that our Savior has also received. All of it's guaranteed because there was a moment in history when a human being, God in flesh, actually died and stopped breathing, but his lungs filled back up with air after three days. That actually happened. And because that actually happened, it means that one day, anyone connected to him gets to also be part of the fullness of the new creation. But just by believing, repenting and being baptized, just by going Get connecting yourself with the new creation, now living, you also then get to be part of it starting now. Interestingly, just a few chapters after Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 1, he then writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. So from now on, well, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You see that? You see what happens when you connect yourself with the one restored? You then get to be part of all the promises. You get to be part of the new creation. So much so that Paul just calls you new creation. And it is guaranteed that you get to share in the fullness of it one day. Because there's actually a living person at the right hand of God who came back to life. And that's your deposit, your guarantee you get to share in it too. Now, Paul says here in verse 16, that changes our perspective. Like, that actually changes the way you look at the world. And it's there that I think there's application for us. I think all of this, this hope in a restoration of all things, actually changes the way we think when you walk out the door this morning, March 14, 2021. I think it actually changes our perspective. I just want to land the plane on that one application. Here it is. In written form, I think we can have hope in every situation because the resurrection of Jesus guarantees all will be well with God's people. That's what I think we can hold on to. Now, I want to be very clear here. This is not flippant hope. This is not someone coming up to you and saying, this too shall pass. Do you know there are some things that will not come to pass? I know people, some people close to me, that they will never have children. They can never have children because cancer has taken that option from them. They will not have children. You cannot look at these people and say, well, this too shall pass. Do you know there are people who do not have colons anymore? And they have bags that they have to wear. That's how they have to get rid of waste. 
You cannot look at these people and say, ah, this too shall pass. One day you will be able to relieve yourself like any normal person. You can't say that. This too will not pass. They have to learn to live with a bag on their side. You can't just say, well, all things will just get better. They always do. No, they don't always get better. Not in this world. They do not always get better. Sometimes life really stinks and it will stink until the end. Not everything passes. And not everything gets better. Not if you hold on to the way this world works as it is. You cannot hold on to hope for just this world. That is a sad place to sit. Why do you think people invest so much of their life in movements, social movements? Ah, they're good. But I just recently read two articles, one from the New Yorker magazine, one from the Washington Post, where there are now intellectuals beginning to look at our political moment wondering what, it, what we're experiencing, uh, beginning to uh, argue that what we're experiencing is with the decline of religion in our culture, you have now the rise of social movements as people's new faith. With all of the rituals, all of the sacred texts that any other religion would have. And so now what you have is a group of young people, largely young people, grabbing on to movements as, it is, as if it is their religion. Believing that if they can just make some change, they will find salvation. But what they will find out is what so many of you have found out. You can hold on to every social movement that comes down the pike, but one day it will fail you. One day it will fail you. A social movement will not hold you with hope when a loved one is dying or your kid is sick and struggling. It will not be a social movement. You will want people. And you will want hope. And this too shall pass will not cut it. I think we need something stable, something solid. And I'm telling you, the reason that I stick with Jesus is because, one of many reasons, is because He is living right now. If Jesus would remain in the grave and we could go and look at His tomb, I'd be picking someone else. That's what I would be doing. But Jesus is alive. His body is new. It is the new creation. And because I am linked to Him, I know one day all will be well. Now, that doesn't mean I walk around just believing, ah, rainbows and unicorns. No, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. But I can know that no matter what I suffer today, that I can get up tomorrow with the same hope that I will wake up the next day and the next day and the next day. And there will be a day. And it may be 60, 70, 80 years from now. I don't think it will be 80 for me. But one day I will wake up and all will be well. And so that's why I'll go through today and wake up tomorrow. Because I'm going to hold on to the reality that the new creation has actually started and He is living as a person. And my, my life is connected to His life and it's connected to your life. And collectively together, we are stronger than we are apart and we will see the day when all things are restored. I'm holding on to that. And so I think this is the kind of thing that Paul had learned after many years of being in prison and beaten and lose friends to murder and injustice. I think he had sat with all of this for a long time 
as a Christian, but knowing that his resurrected Lord was living and giving them strength, and there were other believers that were around him doing the same thing. I think it was all of that. I think he sat with it for a long time. I think he'd been listening to the music in the Old Testament for a long time. I think he had rooted himself in the new creation of Jesus. I think all of that was inside of him when he wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Here it is. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Ah. You see, Paul is no rainbows and unicorns. But Paul sees beyond the horizon and he says, that's going to change how I live today. Because as my body wastes away and my relationships are hard, and as I see friends die, I'm holding on to glory that's coming. Because I know that what's growing inside of me is new creation, and one day it'll be full. Now, that's a hope you can hold on to. So I want to take that passage, and I just want to drive it into a next step. Now, this next step's a little more complicated. It's going to take work. It's going to take you doing some work on this one. Here it is. I think our next step this week is this. Convert 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 into a personal prayer. Take that and move it into a prayer. Now, how are you going to do that? Literally, you open your Bible, you look at that passage, and you take all of the plural pronouns and you make them singular. You make them singular pronouns so that you're going to pray that prayer as me. And you just pray that prayer regularly. You know what it's going to do? It's going to train your mind. It's going to train your mind to see beyond the horizon, hold on to hope, and take a step right where you are and do the next right thing. Just keep stepping. Keep moving. Today. But it trains us to understand what today is in light of tomorrow. Oh, all of that's sitting in Acts chapter 3 when P Peter says that we can long for and know that there will be a restoration of everything if you are connected to the one who was restored. So here's what I want to do. We're going to put up the next slide. I'm just going to face that slide. I'm just going to pray this prayer just as it sits. Uh, and that's going to be our closing prayer. You know how I usually close with a prayer? Here it is. This is our closing prayer. Then we'll move right into our time of response. So I'll pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it with a singular pronoun. But we'll be collective here. This will be a collective I. Outwardly I am wasting away, yet inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. For my light and momentary troubles are achieving the way I'm far outweighs them all. So I fix my eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is What is seen is all to your glory in the name of Jesus. Together we say,